Welcome to Real Talk, Real Women Breaking the Silence Around Abuse. I am Gemma Sereniti Gorokov, your host, and today we have a very special guest for you, Regina LaFrance. Welcome, Regina. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. As, um, go ahead. <laughs> Regina, can you please introduce yourself a little bit in your own words? telling us a little bit where you are at now and the kind of abuse you overcame in your life. My name is Regina LaFrance. I live in North Carolina, United States, and I am 60 years old. When I was only um, nine years old, I um, started to be molested by our local priest in a small village in Portugal. And when I was 10 years old, um, he did the unthinkable to me and what he did to me, um, I decided to write a novel based on the true facts of what happened. And the name of my no novel is um, Shayla. It's a name of a girl that I like. So I use it for the character's name. And for 50 years, I lived my life in the shell. I was shameful, I was depressed. I was sad, I felt worthless and unattractive. And um, I thought for sure that's gonna be um, how my life was gonna be my whole life. And then when I decided to write my book about two and a half years ago, I um, began to speak with friends that I trusted about my, my story and about what had happened. In the beginning, I was still shameful so I told my one of my best friends that um, it was just another person. It was a little girl that used to live in the island. But she quickly realized that I was um, I was talking about myself and she quickly questioned me if there was me. And of course I had to tell her that yes, it was my story. So about a year into writing my book, one day I woke up and it was as if a divine voice came to me overnight and told me that it wasn't my fault and that I had a lot of love to give and I would need to open my heart to receive the love that it was around me. And it was when I woke up, I could hear the hear the words still. I could I I knew that it, it was a divine power or voice that came and told myself uh, my subconscious mind was so alert when I woke up to tell me if you look in the mirror and you have a conversation with yourself and you go ahead and forgive yourself for having sabotaged your life for 50 years you can open your eyes and start realizing the beautiful life that you can have and that's when I started um reading positive books and reading about changing your way of thinking. And I started looking into myself, into my being and realizing that I am really a wonderful person and that I have so much love to give. And I love so many different things that um, make me happy. And I um, begun um, adjusting and I begun um, believing that I could change my ways. And I discovered that by living my life in a lovely mindset, 
where I give love and I receive love and I smile and I do beautiful things and I um, try not to let triggers um, make me angry or make me sad, um, then I eventually realized that life it really is wonderful. And that's when I began to tell other people about the way that I like to be humble and the way that I like to live my life using the love technique. And it has worked wonders for me. And I'd like to teach someday other women that don't believe their lives can change. It is true that when we have been molested or sexually abused, especially as kids, when building our identity, when growing up, which is the worst time to be abused, but sometimes it does happen. It's very difficult to actually make sense of yes. it and understand what actually happened, what was right, what was wrong, and that it is not your fault. There is no blame, no shame. It did happen. It's bad, but it's not on you. Right. And when you can release all those negative feelings, all the self-loathing and choose yes. self-love instead. Yes. Indeed. Oh gosh. Love and forgiveness. The antidote. <laughs> That's beautiful. So, Regina, you said that um, at, I mean, a couple of years ago, you heard God's voice. How did you lead your life between 10 years old and 50 years old? What, what are the, some big elements that happened with you, for you, around you? First off, when from the time I was... 10 all the way to currently, I never believed that anyone loved me. And I had friends and I was in relationships and I was um, around a lot of people, but it was always that self-doubt that they, they didn't love me because I was not lovable. And I never knew what love was. I thought I loved them, but the second something went wrong or the second that I didn't like something, I'd be gone. <laughs> and I didn't have a commitment to um, anyone. I, I just didn't know. I didn't care. I would, let's say, like driving through a red light and cause an accident, but never look back. I just didn't believe that anyone ever loved me. I always thought that if a man told me he loved me is because he needed something or he wanted something. Or if anyone else, if they said, I love you, it would because they needed something. I never really felt the love and the self-worth. And I, I don't believe, I thought I loved people along the way, but it wasn't until recently that I discovered what love is. I can easily imagine that the priest who molested you when you were a child told you I love you and then did awful things on you and this is where you made that wrong connection. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's so he, wrong. He told me that my 
uh, father would never believe me. And he told me that um, no one would ever believe me. He was a man of power and he was worshiped by many, including my parents. And my parents were a very, very nice parents and they were very, very good people. It's just that they, they wanted me to learn music and all of that happened at the, the hands of the priest. And I never felt comfortable to tell my parents because I didn't want them to be sad. And I also didn't believe they would believe me. So I kept the secret and I just kept suffering and suffering. And then when I became a teenager, I was very rebellious and I never really obeyed my father anymore. And it was just so difficult because I lost that connection with my parents. And in my book, I explain how I was so close to my father. We we um, spent so much time outside working on the farm and I was my father's sunshine and he was mine. And then um, when that happened, everything ended. And, and I never had a relationship with my father after that. It does break very, very, very deeply. At the yes. I'm so sorry. I acknowledge what happened. I'm sorry it happened. And I see how by choosing love and forgiveness, you were actually able to come back to life and yes. to love and to discovering the gorgeous life we have available to us. That's right. And also I'd like to um, reach out to victims and let them know that when we forgive, we forgive for us. We forgive to free ourselves of that burden of carrying on that anger and that resentment and that sadness. We don't forgive or, or accept what other people did. We just forgive for ourselves and accept the fact that it happened to us. And nothing we can do, especially if we were children, there's nothing that we could have done and we didn't um, cause it and it's not, the child's fault. It's never the child's fault. That is absolutely true. It's never the child's fault. That is absolutely true. Never. Never. Mm -mm. No. Because the parents and the adults around are responsible of the child, whatever age. Right. So, no. Um, Regina, I'm thinking about all these victims hiding in plain sight, like you, if you until a few years ago. Understanding that by choosing self-love, it's a technique, you call that a technique, that love. Do you want to tell us about that technique so that maybe someone can, can pick it up for herself or himself and, and heal such deeply, deeply held wounds? Sure. <laughs> so the way that I um, apply the love technique is uh, look in the mirror and have a conversation with yourself. And the way that I explained at first, because I try to figure out how I can explain is, okay, so we know 
red from green, we know the sky from the earth, we know black from white, we know the difference between letters and numbers. So, okay, so we have established that we, we're pretty smart. So we need to understand that it wasn't our fault and we need to go inside and tell ourselves, just like letters from numbers, you can stay damaged and sad or you can start thinking beautiful things about yourself. Make a list of all the beautiful things that you like about yourself. It could be gardening or cooking, or it could be that you love children. It could be that you like driving, whatever it is. And find yourself doing those things and see how you feel when you're doing those things. And then go back to the mirror and say, that's who I am. And you have to tell yourself, it's just like taking a course and learning a new skill. You have to tell yourself, that from this point forward, you must love who you are. You must love to the things that you do and the people that you spend time with in your circle. A lot of times people tell me, oh, my circle is the people that hurt me. Unfortunately, in that case, you have to create an imaginary bubble around you where you protect yourself. Don't engage in conversations that are difficult. Um, don't engage um, in conversations with people that are negative. It could be your mother, your next door neighbor, your sister or your brother or your partner or your spouse. You need to separate yourself from that toxic conversation that that person may want to have with you. And if it doesn't affect you directly, don't get engaged. Just, just, Take a few months to cleanse your body, to cleanse your mind. And that's how I did it. I listened to positive affirmations. I listened to um, soft music that um, have the meditation and the, the positive talk. I uh, listened to the I Am uh, videos. And I just started doing that um, a couple of years ago. And now I, I still sometimes feel triggered by some conversations or some people, or it could be a stranger, or it could be a rainy day, or it could be some food that you ordered and it reminded you of something that you ate on the days that you were not feeling that great. Anything can trigger a memory. But now you have the knowledge to go to the mirror, or you don't have to go to the mirror, but, but it's just a way of saying to, to tell yourself, self, that's a trigger, that's not who you are, and it's bringing memories to you that are making you sad, and you need to study you need to write things down over and over and over again, and you need to study and you need to protect yourself from toxic conversations with people that you might not even trust, but you might love. And once, once you master that positive thinking and that power of having your body cleansed in your mind, people around you are going to start to notice and they're going, they are going to be very aware that those conversations and those um, sabotage, self-talk conversations are not allowed. 
A beautiful technique. Thank you for sharing it. I can fully, completely confirm that this is how I actually started my healing journey after 15 years of domestic violence when I just left. It was by going in front of the mirror and instead of seeing all the awful things I was representing for myself, to start to overcome that and make a commitment, a decision to love, respect, and accept myself as I am. Yes. And then indeed, affirmation, I am this and that and that. Not the bad, only the good and extraordinary. And this is when I started to really say, hey, I am the daughter of God. I'm not related. I may be related in this lifetime to that and that person in that and that. But I'm intrinsically, I am the daughter of God. And then I added, and the favorite one. Yes. <laughs> And it seems great. That's right. And it's not going to happen overnight. No, it's super it's not. That's you right. Have to work on it. It's not going to happen in one week or oh, in two weeks. You have to start and you have to commit. And some days you might even forget to read the affirmations. Some days you might even forget to write anything down because you're busy and it's not your routine. But I, for me, it's it's been um, it's going to be three years in May this year that I started my journey, and the first year I I still felt even though I wrote the the majority of the book I wrote it the first year, it didn't really um, help me that much. I started talking about it and it helped a little, but it was the last year and a half that I really really committed to. Um, writing my affirmations down, um, making short-term goals, uh, one-year goals, two-year goals. When I sat down um, two and a half years ago and I started writing my book, um, Shayla, I wrote down what I want from this. This book is going to be very, very successful. I am going to make a change. I am going to help other victims. And also, I want to create awareness to parents. Children don't know how to communicate verbally. And they may not tell you anything. But they will always show you signs of being in distress. And if you know your child is upset about something, and you ask them what's going on, and they don't say anything, there's something and they're afraid they're afraid because their abuser might have told them really bad things are going to happen if you tell anyone so always look for signs if a child says they don't want to go somewhere always always pay attention because something could be happening to them These are essential signs to look out for. You know, um, a long time ago, I have an adult son who is now 25 years old. Back when he was 12 years old, and I was already separated from his father for a long time already, and he was going to his father every other weekend or something like that. 
And one day from his weekend, he came back changed in a way that I did not understand, but I noticed. What I was able to see was that he just received a secret too heavy to carry alone, a secret of adults. But I was not able to perceive more than that. So what I did to protect him, because when I asked him, there was nothing, no answer, nothing. I started and, and I wrote a very long email to his father to tell him, you must free Jimmy from his secret. You cannot let him carry his secret. It's not okay. You cannot share adult thing with him. He's a kid. He's 12 years old, please. Right. And, and, and I wrote that. No, no precise allegation. No, I, I didn't know what I was talking about. I talked from my heart of a mother who felt something wrong. Nobody whatsoever confirmed my feelings. However, my son started to withdraw, to listen to dubstep music, super mm -hmm. loud, to, you could almost see a black cloud on him walking around everywhere not engaging and just waiting to go back to his father every single time. I did put that on adolescence. Okay, it's a hard period. Okay, we'll wait it out. Okay. In the meantime, when he was 15 years old, I left my second abusive relationship of domestic violence. And it's a few years when he was 18 years old. In the meantime, I met Sasha, my third last and dream husband, with whom we moved from Switzerland to United States. And two years after we moved, my son joined us because he just wanted a hug from his mother. So he just made a trip, found himself, made a trip. But during that trip, during that, um, it was a three weeks vacation. During that vacation, he told us, well, when I was 12 years old, I was raped by my father. When I heard that, it's unhearable from a mother's perspective. Yeah. Unhearable. I had a lot of release and let go to do. Because the first reaction was like, I don't care, I'm just going to kill him at bare hand or something like that. But of course, it's impossible and I'm not going to do that. However, the strong aggression and wanting to protect my now still baby, but my baby at all costs was so strong. But it was so strong that within a few hours, I was having such a strong asthma attack that I was almost passing out and passing away. Almost. And at that moment in time, so close to the trauma, my beloved husband, who, who was present all the time, came back to me, like lying me down because I couldn't even hand, uh, hold myself, and told me, you must forgive that man. Now, you do not wait one more minute, otherwise you are going to die. You forgive him now. I can't. Oh, yes, you can. You forgive him now because forgiving him will free you up. 
because what you really want is to heal yourself. For that, you have to be alive. Okay, I get it. I get it. I get it. Okay. So I released. I accepted. I released. And I said, okay, it's not even his fault. He is mentally sick. And one of the expression of that sickness was to have a sexual divergence to the point of being a pedophile. Yoo-hoo. <laughs> but I mean, wow. And because of that immediate release and forgiveness, I was able to actually address my son's wound. But for him, he did carry that, I would say only six years, however, from 12 to 18 years old, it's a long time. And it yes. creates havoc. In yes. This entire development of the brain, it creates havoc. And we are still dealing with it today, 25 years old, I guarantee you. Yes, so you understand firsthand that a child doesn't always speak. No. Even though no. he was 12, he's still a young child yeah. at 12 years old. You don't have the skills, no. the verbal skills to communicate. No. But you knew that something had happened. You could tell. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so behavior was instantly different. He yeah. was instantly hiding, withdrawing, uh, disappearing in his room, um, not wanting to en engage. And then he refused categorically to be seen naked anymore. Like right. no more. It's like, whoa, yes. why? Okay. From his mother and I, and I just take care. That's right. Know? And I remember after a few months of that behavior, I just told him out of the blue, I'm not sexually interested in you. You can show me whatever needs to be seen, especially when you have a problem that we have to assess if we need to bring you to the emergency room or if the regular doctor is enough. Right. You know? And, and I was like, I'm not sexually interested in you. I did not connect when I said that. Oh, that's my case. It may not be the case of everybody. Right. And I did not think about that because he was a boy. That's right. That's right. I would have thought about that because he would have been a girl, but I did not think about that because he was a boy. Like That's right. so naive. So Many, naive. Uh, a lot of boys get abused, and a lot of boys, uh, when they become adults, they never tell anyone. No. No. The, the message, the main message of this conversation with Regina today is to say, Breaking the silence that your abuser or perpetrator or rapist or whatever it is put on you is the only way to start to heal. It will not kill you. It will not kill the person. It will protect you, heal you, empower you. And now from that moment on, you will finally be able to move yes. on. That's a big, big message of Sheila, the book, Regina, the author, yes. and all these other now victorious over sexual abuse of some sort. That's right. That's a big, big message. This is why we are here. This is why we talk today. That's right. And I want to send out the message to victims that they are not alone. They're not the only person that it happened to. Most women know what it's like. You have to find a person that you trust and open up to that person and know 
that you're not alone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And by the way, Regina is here to hear you. I am here to hear you. Reach out to us. We are available at all times. Just reach out. An email, a phone call, Facebook message, something. Just yes. raise your hand and we can hear you. And from there, direct you, help you, hear you out. Something. Yes. A lot of times all we need is, is someone that understands to listen. We okay. can't help any, everybody. Oh, we might not even have the skills to help some people that have a lot of um, psychological problems from the abuse that they suffered. But we can listen and we understand. And we know what it's like to grow up thinking that nobody would ever understand. But we do understand and we know what it's like. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Regina, we have one website for you. Just remind us what it is. It's going to be in the description anyway. My website is lafrancemedia.com. Okay. And La France is LA and the word France like the country, media.com. All right. On my website, you can read everything that um, went on. We have a press release that have a lot of information on what happened and um, updates on the upcoming book, which is um, very, very close. We're about maybe two to three weeks away from its big day. And I'm super excited to launch and uh, start the new journey. Mm. Regina, Thanks. I speak blessings over you and over all the people your story is going to touch. Thank you so much.